sit down. Okay, so what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So, welcome to everybody joining us online and welcome to everybody in the house tonight. Is anyone in the room tonight here for the first time at this facility for this meeting? I got a whole bunch of you. Awesome. So first of all, welcome, uh, and we mean that sincerely. You're welcome here. Everyone's clapping that you're here because we really do want you here. The other thing in the way of announcements, those of you who are new members here in the facility, if you did not know, um, we want you to know your family's welcome to come here. I know you, you're in for the first 30 days and you're not going out, but your family can come during this meeting and during recovery church ser services on Saturday from 7 to 8.30 or 9, something like that. And, and so we encourage you to come at least start the reunification process. So those of you who are residing here, if you want your family to come spend this recovery time with you or church time, they're welcome. Just uh, we, this one is, is at 7, and the church is also at 7, and they run a little later because we, we praise and worship before we do our thing. And Chaplain Lee's in the house. If anyone doesn't know Chaplain Lee, he does the recovery church. He is very adept at, at talking to people who have experienced problems in life. So, I don't know if there's any of those in here. Um, so from that, we're going to take a look uh, what we do every week. We take a look at the suggested instructions for a step or so a week, directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? Because it works. The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work by these authors' experience. So what we do here is show you how to find your own experience within the book. So I will try to show you how I find mine and encourage you to have yours, right? And if we both do our job, we will share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that does happen? So for those of you looking around by a show of hands, those of you online, you can't see them, but they're raising their hand. When we speak of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're speaking of a sensory experience, something tangible. You will feel it. When you do, I will know. And I'll call it to your attention, because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without a demonstration. Fair enough? Okay, so we're going to be tonight in Chapter 6, a little chapter called Into Action. And we're going to take a... <laughs> what? Not into thinking. No, yeah, there is no chapter on into thinking. Good point. How many of you have tried to think your way into better acting? That's a plan many of us have employed. How many of you found out when you acted your way into a better lifestyle that your thinking changed? So we're going to get into action tonight. We're going to take a look at 5, 6, and 7 because they kind of roll together. So they start out by saying, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? So there's a question mark. How many of you read that sentence and wondered what you were going to do about having made a personal inventory. Probably nobody, because somebody already helped you with the personal inventory and told you what you were going to do about it, or you deduced it, right? right? So one of the things about the history of this book is they thought they could write it, send it out in the country, people would read it and recover on their own. And what they learned was that didn't work out quite as well as they had thought. In fact, they thought they had a fellow who had read it and recovered on his own because he wrote them a letter and told them that's what happened. So they sent him money for a bus ticket 
And by the time he got to New York, he was too drunk to get off said bus. <laughs> so there's something about some human impartation that we've learned over the years is required, right? Okay, yep. so this says, we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. Is that what you've been trying to do? Some people don't know that that's what they're trying to do, right? So there's a difference between fellowship messaging and our manner of living, the suggestive program of action. So the reason I would want a new relationship with creator, regardless of my belief, is that what we learn in the process is that the world does not cause how we think and feel, it reflects how we're thinking and feeling. So if I'm having a rough time in creation, going to need to check in with Creator. Get everything straight with Creator, creation straightens out. Now, that's our witness. If you haven't had that experience, all you can do is, as peers, we tell you, we once thought and felt as you did, but we doubt we'd made much progress had we not taken action. Here's the action we took. Here's what we experienced as a result. That's what they wrote down, and that's what I'm trying to show you. Does it make sense? Yep. Okay. So the reason I want a new relationship with Creator is I was having a very difficult time in creation. And I've had that same experience even many years sober. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yes. Hence a manner of living, right? Okay, so we've admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. So who's we? The first 100. So I don't need to go looking outside. I've got to see what they've ascertained in a rough way, what the trouble is, and see if my experience can align with theirs. And hopefully someone who's been through this process before me will show me what that looks like right from their experience. Yes? Yes. Okay. So we have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. How many of you have done an inventory and have had that experience? Yep. Okay. Now these are about to be cast out. Notice how they use words they mean cast out. It doesn't mean I'm going to have anything to do with it. There's going to be a casting out that I am perhaps participating in unconsciously. You ever try and get rid of self? Your very awareness of self means you aren't rid of self. So the idea that I'm going to cast self out is delusional in its face. Does it make sense? So I'm going to... There, I'm going to come to believe in a power greater than me because self will be removed when I turn my thoughts to others. How many of you have had that experience? Yeah. Okay. All right, so this requires action on our part, which when completed will mean that we have admitted to God. When we say God, what are we talking about? Power. 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 It's interchangeable with power, capital P. That's why we come to believe in power. That's why we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Make sense? Okay, so we're going to admit to this power we found, where do we find it? Deep down inside. inside. Okay, how do we find it? Sometimes we had to search fearlessly. So by now, I'm starting to get a freer flow of the spirit, which is why I'm going to be able to humble myself and tell my story to someone else. Yes? Yep. Okay, so to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our defects this brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. So what was the preceding, preceding chapter? How it works. How it works. So in how it works, they didn't describe the power, because none of us can fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. But they did describe the process through which I prove the power to me, through me. Yep. Right? So they told me I was going to have to tell my stuff to somebody else. 
and now they're going to lead me through why. Okay? So it says this is perhaps difficult. So the first thing they do is acknowledge our fear. How many of you have allowed fear to keep you from growing? Oh, yeah. Okay? So especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. How many of you have tried that plan? We'll just keep that on the down low. Okay. There's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. So I'd like to point out to you, how does one find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient? They tried a solitary self-appraisal, and they found out that self escapes us. Any of you from your own perspective saw that there was no harm in what you did, and then when you consulted a few others, you could see where you might have caused a bit of a kerfuffle for others. Okay. So many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person once we see good reasons why we should do so. So I'm not going to be able to do that unless I can tell them, and the best reason is I'm trying to get over my addictive disorder, and I'm going to have to grow in the spirit sufficiently for that to happen. And my experience was I didn't know how to do that, but someone showed me how to take a look, talk to another, right? Yep. Okay. So the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So the first thing you might want to ask yourself is, do you want to overcome your addiction, or are you here just resting? I ask that question in all seriousness, because how many of you have come in for a rest stop? <laughs> just to fade the heat, just a little bit, right? How many of you didn't think you were resting, thought you were serious, didn't do any of this, and found out that you needed to do more? Yeah. Anyone's ever bounced probably had that discovery, right? Okay. So time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. So you, you didn't invent that if that's what you did. Everyone after Dr. Bob is a newcomer. So it's a room full of newcomers here, regardless of, okay. To, trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. So the title of this book is Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. So in those thousands, as we all know, there were probably many tens of thousands who struggled. Yep. Right? How many of you have been blessed with a spiritual awakening and all the steps and has tried to work with others? They don't all stick, do they? Nope. Okay. All right, so having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. How many of you have had that experience? Doing everything you thought you were supposed to do, everything that was suggested, and then all of a sudden found yourself spun like a monkey again. <laughs> it happens. Okay, so did anyone ever explain to you there is no rest of the program? Yeah. Because we don't do a very good job of that sometimes. Once I make the decision in three, I have agreed to advocate for my brother and sister for a lifetime. As long as there is breath in my lungs, I am to advocate for another. Whenever anyone anywhere reaches out their hand for help, I want the hand of AA always to be there, and for that I am responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to have to wake up, and then I'm going to have to power up, and then I'm going to have to show up. Mm -hmm. And it's not always going to be easy, right? Okay. So that's why, if you haven't 
have the experience of freedom, you probably didn't stay out there long enough advocating, right? Which is easy, we'll just start again, right? Okay, so they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. How many of you were led to believe that your house cleaning was completed when you did an inventory? Because it's not. That's like stacking all the trash in the house and leaving it in the corner in a bag and saying, I'm done now because we didn't take the trash out. And what we do when we learn to take the trash out is we learn how that gnarly experience can be used to avert suffering for others. And when we do that, it converts trash into treasure. Does that make sense? Some of you are feeling that. Who felt that? That's the power we call God. That's the spirit of revelation that's happening. It's happening in you, right? Okay, so they took inventory all right, but they hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. The word thought is in italics. Why? It's important. It's definitely important, and they wanted us to stop. Where is the main problem of the attic centered? In the mind. In the mind. So I'm not going to be able to think myself into a state of being. Right? Beingness is free of self, yes? Right. So if I think I'm selfless, I'm back in my delusion, right? How many of you have thought you were acting selflessly and then were offended by the way someone received your act of selflessness? <laughs> so there may have been an element of attachment there. Okay. So I'm not going to be able to think my way into it. I'm going to have to have my constant thought of others and how to meet their needs. And in that, the power flows through me and self is removed because I can clearly see how to help you and I have no idea how to help me, which my life has demonstrated, yes? Okay, so they only thought they had lost their egoism and fear, they only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All is in italics, why? At the time that you found out that you were an addict of the hopeless variety and decided to enter this manner of living, had you lived out all your life? No. No. So you're still living out all your life, therefore you haven't told all your life story and you're going to start telling a whole different story when you realize your addiction was a calling and not a curse and start acting in it. Yep. Does it make sense? Yep. Okay. So more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Anyone relate to that? Yep. Where's my meth addicts, cocaine addicts? You guys at least two, right? Acting. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. So the persona I would like for you to hold of me, and then how I really am. And they're going to talk about that. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. So now they're talking about the sensory experience of self-condemnation. No matter how well I hold myself up in front of you, I don't believe it. If you try and compliment me, I, you, I don't believe it. And I, anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Any of you ever been there? Yeah. How many times today? Yeah. So that, that battle for head and heart's always going to happen, isn't it? Okay. All right, so the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. So a lot of you have been sober some length of time. How many of you have discovered you have sprees that have nothing to do with chemicals? 
Where's my anger addicts? Have you had some sprees? Did, did a little demonic force come out of you that you later thought, well, I'm glad it was that guy. I don't want to think I talk to people like that. I'm the only guy that does that, huh? Okay. Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. How many of you have some vague remembrances? None that you can remember, huh? Where's my drinkers? You got vague remembrances, right? You don't even know if you remembered it or you read it in the record, right? Okay, so it says these memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. How many of you relate to that plan? Where's the power found? Where I'm pushing all my garbage. Doesn't sound a very good plan, does it? But it is our plan as humans, right? Because what we have not learned until we grow is there are no secrets in the realm of the spirit. It is not, no matter how many times they say it to you in the fellowship, this is not about telling that little secret about you because there's no secrets to the one who sustains you. So what we got to do is grow into that certainty. Yes? Yep. Okay. So as fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they'll never see the light of the day. He's under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. Yep. So the, the author, who was, or rather the, the doctor, who was not alcoholic, described alcoholics as restless, irritable, and discontented unless they could again experience that sense of ease and comfort. And the alcoholics are now witnessing to how we're under constant fear and tension. Same description, except this is a lived experience as opposed to an observed experience. Right. How many of you had a lived experience and then started observing it in others and forgot what you were seeing? Got mad at them? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Makes us less effective. Because we are disturbing to observe, and we can't see why anyone would be disturbed when we're in it. Yeah? Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay which is why you'd want to be awake before you tried to help, right? Okay, so psychologists are inclined to agree with us. How many of you have seen a psychiatrist or psychologist? I, with this population, there should be way more hands. There was analysis done sometime for you. Any of you ever been to detox? Okay, we've all been observed. Um, so did you, did you pay them a lot of money, or did someone pay them a lot of money on your behalf? No. Yeah. Did you take their advice? Yeah. Sometimes, if it was the kind of advice I wanted to follow. They said, take two of these every six hours, and it was the right shit I took. <laughs> I might even double up, because I thought it was such good advice. Um, we, we spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. We've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. The authors are telling you how we respond to paid advisors, which is why we admonish people that are in, trying to do 12-step recovery, do not share your opinions, share your experience. Not because it's a rule, but because as a class, we've paid thousands of dollars for informed medical opinions, lied to get those opinions, and ignored the results of those opinions. Right. So opinions don't impress us. Why do you think lawyers get our money first? <laughs> Nothing depreciates faster than an opinion. 
Okay. All right, so unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. How many of you can kind of relate to that? Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. How many of you had a co-occurring thing? Like you had a little opiate thing and you were chasing the pain pills as well. Any of you do that? Okay. Did, did, were you surprised when they told you you were exhibiting drug-seeking behavior? <laughs> They're supposed to be on my side. Yeah. They kind of have the system set up that way, right? Yeah. I, I changed dope dealers. I still got to come... Okay, so we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live longer happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So did you struggle with who you were going to ask to help you with your inventory? Yes. Nope. Are some of you still struggling with it? Because nope. it's a common thing, and what we need to understand is that we honor them by asking them, and if they're not honored by our request, we pick the wrong person. Yeah. And so we're just going to search out another alcoholic and try again. Mm -hmm. Right? We're pretty good at it. How many of you have been opinion shoppers? <laughs> I don't like them. Okay. So those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course will, want to go to the property appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So if you come from a religious background that requires confession, by all means go to confession. But do not replace your AA practice with your religious practice or you might not get the full benefit. And they're going to explain it to us why. Um, though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. How many of you didn't really have a faith that required confession but you knew that your confession was protected by the confessional and so you preferred to tell some gnarly stuff to somebody. Some of us have that experience, right? Okay. Um, we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. What is our problem? Selfishness and self-centeredness. <laughs> yeah, some manifestation of self-driven by fear. Yeah. And, and we may not know what that looks like, and if they don't know what I know about this manner of living and this observation of my thoughts and how my self manifests because of these fears that drive me, they may not be able to get me to the root and get me past the fear that's been preventing me from becoming a better version of myself all these years. Yeah. Does it make sense? A temporary yeah. relief isn't going to work for me. I need to carry this relief out with me. Yeah. Okay, so of course we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. So how many of you have met those people who do not understand alcoholics? My ex-wife. <laughs> Yeah, and you're right, Jim. The, the, the reality is we can point fingers at how we've been treated unfairly in fellowships or whatever, but clearly we don't understand alcoholics because nope. we're baffled by us. Yeah, we are. So we don't have to look any further. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. And we're not going to be effective until we have a better understanding that we're seeing an illness and not an intent, right? Yep. Okay. So... If we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. Those of you that are endeavoring to work with others, that's what you're trying to grow into is a closed mouth understanding friend. How many of you would have to admit when you first came around and maybe for a while after you were neither closed mouth nor understanding? <laughs> but we grow into better people as a result, right? As the step says, 
We turned our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. It's always in past tense. It's always italicized, right? The God I understand today is not the God I understood then. I'm going to grow in understanding. It isn't even my understanding I'll grow in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So it says, um, perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents, which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So I need to search what I can to find out if I'm going to go tell my story to somebody just to unburden me and now it's going to burden them, that's not spiritual growth. So what I've got to do is make sure that whoever I'm going to unburden myself to will understand that I'm in my search for the truth and that I am not affected personally by that truth. In fact, I'm hoping that you get to the truth, which is the great reality within us, yes? But in the, on the way there, there's going to probably be some gnarly stuff we uncover. Okay. So the rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated that there is no suitable person available. Do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? No. We're always quick to say that, but it could. How many of you have been in county lockup and were not comfortable writing a bunch of gnarly stuff about yourself on a piece of paper? Yep. So... It may be that one is so situated, but we've got ways to move past that, right? And it really doesn't matter. If they're so frightened that they can't say it or write it down, it has nothing to do with what I'm telling them anyway. I'm going to have to help them carry that burden, right? right. Because as long as they don't, they, they're held back by that fear, then we haven't got the relationship we need to move forward. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so if that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. So this is between you and the power you encountered in two. And if you've got an inventory and you're just waiting for someone to tell the story to and you're good with that, that's in fact what's up, then you're good. And even if the inventory is not on paper, but you know basically what it, you know, anyone know what I'm talking about? You didn't have it on paper yet, but you had a pretty good idea of what it needed to talk about. All right, so we say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person. How many of you can relate to that? Mm -hmm. How many of you sometimes talk to the wrong person? The outcome isn't nearly as desirable, is it? Problem may go away, but it may take a little, take a minute. No. If you tell enough people, everyone will know. Um, anyway. <laughs> It's important that he be able to keep a confidence, so now they're telling me the specification, not only I want to hold of myself, but what I'm looking for. That he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at, and that he will not try and change our plan. Again, my experience, not, not my opinion. <coughs> Sorry. I don't know what I just did. But <coughs> I'm choking on me, I think. <laughs> Have you ever had someone tell you a plan? Who's sponsoring people here? You ever had someone tell you a plan so disturbing you just desperately wanted to talk them out of it? <laughs> Did you notice how badly that worked? Because by the time they're telling me their plan, they don't give a damn about my opinion. I might help them rethink it. Anyway, it takes a power greater than me 
to overcome the delusion that I can't prevent you from having your own experience. Because I desperately want you not to have the experience I had. But I'm, that's, not, that's above my pay grade. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's going to take whatever bump and bruise it took for me to get to me, and it's going to take whatever bump and bruise, including death, for any of you. And this idea that we change that, simply not true. Yep. Not that we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. I call that to your attention because of what Sean said earlier. He knew, when he knew who was to hear his story, he went right to him. He wasted no time. That's not something we do as a discipline. It's what the Spirit does in us. How many of you didn't do this stuff for a long time, and all of a sudden, you met the one who you were going to entrust your story to? So I call that to your attention, because rarely have we seen a person fail who thoroughly followed our path. Right? Yeah. Okay. We have a written inventory, and we're prepared for a long talk. So that's what it looks like to be ready. How many of you had a written inventory and were prepared for a long talk? How many of you found you didn't have a written inventory and you had to have a long talk to produce one? Because that's one of the things we learned too. I will tell you, for me, I found a guy who knew what it was to be a real alcoholic. And I was still experiencing some DTs, incapable of writing, and he knew it. And so he said, talk slow, because my vocabulary was better than his, but he wrote down every word, and it was a long talk. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's going to go how it goes. All right. Um, we explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. Again, this is talking to me who knows what we're about to do, because the person who's never done it probably does not. Right? Yeah. And these are things we've learned. The book's written for all of us seeking a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, and you'll notice that I'm only seeking mine even if you're liberated while I get mine. Okay. Um, We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. How many of you guys that are working with others know that to your core and you take their life as seriously as you take your own? We grow into that, right? Because we used to could watch them die and just an addict. Right? We know that I'm linked to them some way now, yes? Yeah. Okay. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. We pocket our pride and go to it. Why do they paint that picture for us? How many of you were really frightened to tell what you had to tell? Was it because pridefully you finally found someone that you really kind of hoped would like you, and now you were afraid you were going to tell them something that would make them not like you? Mm-hmm. Or did you think it that much? No. So it, sometimes we th- overthink it. So they're, they're telling us whatever is fear is blocking you from becoming a better version of yourself, put it in your pocket. Okay? Um, it says that illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past, What do they mean by every? Even that one little thing. And they're not talking about the endless inventory. That's going to be the lifetime. They're talking about if it's in your mind, run it out your mouth. Right? Right? There's a reason it's in your mind. It's occupying space. You're not going to need that where you're going. You're going way up there. Leave that rock down here. Okay. All right. So 
Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. Mm -hmm. So they've given us a promise right there. Yep. So how many of you took the step and were not delighted? <laughs> Did you withhold something? No. Okay, so there's, there's one condition, and then there's another reason why that might happen, which we'll touch in a minute. How many of you did try and withhold something? How many of you found out that whoever you were withholding it from already knew you were withholding it? <laughs> That's a little trick. We would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God, but in the spirit, I'm going to know you're withholding it because when you let it go, the spirit's going to flow through us and I will get my hit. And I came for my hit, not yours. <laughs> and I have always known when y'all were holding my hit. Am I making sense? Who's, who's been done a fifth step and knows what I'm talking about? Yep. We get a flow of the Spirit. Sometimes the whole room lights up. Oh, and yeah. you don't get to hold that without a question from me. What are you holding back? Yeah. Then if you ain't going to cough it up, fine. We'll get together another time. Right? Yeah. All right. All right, so... Once we have taken this step with holding nothing, we are delighted. And they're going to talk about some more promises. We can look the world in the eye. How many of you can relate to not being able to make eye contact with people? Especially coming fresh out of active addiction, right? Yeah. So that's a powerful promise, a sign that somehow there's new hope in us, yes? Mm -hmm. um, it says that we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. How many of you can really, if you're honest with yourself, know that being alone at perfect peace and ease is like a pipe dream? Any of you tried to be alone and, and there was no part of perfect nothing? What we got is a perfect shit storm, right? That's why I got a... Right? So all of a sudden, as all that war is going on, remember that head-to-heart thing? As that starts to diminish, it's a sensory experience. Those of you that have had it know what I'm talking about, and those of you who can hear me and know the experience of the war within know how badly you want freed from it. Yeah? Okay. It says, we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. Now, that wouldn't mean anything to a room full of believers, but remember half of these people were atheists or agnostics declared. And they're saying, wow, I had it wrong all along. I was looking in the wrong place. And now that I'm starting to unburden myself, I'm feeling this flow of the Spirit. And hopefully someone's calling to their attention. That that you're feeling, that's the power we call God. Right? Yep. Did you have anyone do that for you? How many of you were so dead in the Spirit when you went through this you would get bumps of it, but you didn't know what it was, but they kept telling you that's what it was, and you started taking people through their steps, and you got them through a two, and you got yours. Yeah. Because sometimes we're that dead inside. Mm -hmm. So you may not get your fifth step experience until you take someone else through their two. Just don't stop. Right. Okay? All right, so we may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience, Right. So no matter what your old beliefs were, they told you, you don't need to be disconcerted because our experience changed our mind. And this is, we've got to stay in the manner of living until it happens. It isn't about, you know, don't leave the room until the miracle happens. You may sit in that room until you're dead. But if you'll go help people, right. go help people, and you will start to experience the flow of the Spirit. You will. Right. Okay. So... The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. How I many of you felt like something was really different when you finally did a thorough fifth step? Yeah. 
right? We feel that we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. That's a metaphoric phrase. But what does that mean to you? What's it mean to feel like you're on a broad highway? Yeah, there's no, no wrong answer. How many of you felt like you walked on a tightrope all your life? And all of a sudden, it just you knew who you were, and they knew who you were, and apparently God knew who you were. And, okay, I can shake this off. I can do this. Another, anyone? The highway got broader. Yeah? Okay. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. That's pretty specific. Uh-huh. Hmm. How many of you? would have had a hard time being quiet for an hour. I did. That one of the things we're going to learn is whether we can be at perfect peace and ease or whether there's something still disturbing us because that's part of the reason. Okay. All right, so carefully reviewing what we've done. What have we done? First five steps. Done a four-step inventory, shared what I would with them, and I've either neglected something or I've held something back or maybe I've told everything but I'm still feeling a bit disturbed. Any of you looked at all the things and still felt full of guilt, shame and remorse? That'll happen. I'll show you how that, again, it's all about the manner of living, continuing. So we thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Why do we know God better now? Because we know ourselves better. And because I know that God, whatever anyone else is talking about, I'm talking about God, the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. I am now in relationship with the creator of all. Yeah. Yes? Uh-huh. Okay, taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? So there's a question. And then it goes on to say, are the stones properly in place? What stones have they talked to us about? The bricks of the arch. Yeah, and in, in that cornerstone of willingness. Right. Am I honestly wanting to grow and am I willing to make the effort? Yeah, those are the things they've painted for me by now. So I'm going to start going back to the, the first five proposals, which are page 59, yes? Yep. And... They want to know if I've skimped on the cement, put in the foundation, if I tried to make mortar without sand. So let's go back to one. In step one, they've asked me about my alcoholic condition and then asked me to take, take a step of faith about my human condition. But I don't even know that when I read the instruction. So the instruction says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol dash. So powerless win. Before powerless when I'm drinking because of this phenomenon of craving that develops. Mm -hmm. Powerless when I'm not drinking because of this strange obsession, this right. strange mental black blank spot that convinces me that perhaps I've overreacted. Yeah. Any of you ever had that happen? Yeah. Was not safe not to have even one. I'm through forever. Uh-huh. Maybe I overreacted. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't that bad. I'll do it different. How many of you didn't, you weren't going to do it different, but you just had a case of screw it? Okay. It, that's nonetheless going to happen either way, right? The insanity doesn't happen as a result of the drink. The insanity is the reason I take the drink. We get that twisted sometimes. 
There's no sense. I used to hear people all the time saying, you should have called me before you drank. I didn't want to share with you. The insanity happens before the drink. Don't get it twisted. That's a handy little thing, this cliche, but it's absolute nonsense. Of course, they should have done anything. They should have been chained to a railroad before. <laughs> Who thinks of that? Um, that our lives have become unmanageable. So that's where they asked me to take a leap of faith. Where did they talk to me about my unmanageability? 52? Is that correct? Yep. Let's go back and see if we agree. So on page 52, they said we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems. I'm about two paragraphs down. This same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. How many yep. of you discovered that? Yep. How many of you discovered it after you sobered up? <laughs> Couldn't control our emotional natures. Any of you find you had an emotional nature that had been suppressed? We were prey to misery and depression, yep. couldn't make a living, yep. had a feeling of uselessness. Yep. We were full of fear. Yep. We were unhappy. Uh -huh. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. You guys relate to all that? Yeah. See, that was the condition that I thought alcohol would solve, and for a long time it did. The alcohol is just a symptom of my malady. This is my malady, but I didn't know that in one. So my first act of faith was copping to it before I knew it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So then we're going to go back to step two. Came to believe that a power, capital P, greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So what is insanity, according to the authors? Taking the drink knowing you're an alcoholic. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of opinions. Uh, he's, Sean's paraphrasing, um, doing the same thing as somebody in, in the fellowship, but it's not what alcoholics say. And the reason we don't like to say that to alcoholics is I was a real alcoholic. I did the same thing with no expectation of a different result. I knew exactly what the hell was going to happen. It's going to suck. Bring a camera. Wow. <laughs> and then I don't think I fit in the fit. What these guys said is it was, it was an appalling lack of perspective, the inability to think clearly. Now that fits for most of us who have been addicts of the hopeless variety, yeah? Yep. Okay, so that's the insanity from which I want to be restored. And, and then it says, this power greater than ourselves, where do we find this power? Deep down inside. And how do we experience this power? At first they said, as much as a feeling for a friend. So for you religious folks, we're not saying God's a feeling, but we are saying that your awareness of the feeling is the power, and you're going to grow in that awareness, yes? You're going to be more aware of the power within you than in what the world's trying to show you, and you'll be able to act kinder than you feel like acting, and you'll be able to, does that make sense? Demonstrate a little bit more self-control, the world says, but you know it's not self-control, it's actually self-elimination. Does that make sense? Okay. And then it also tells us by the time we get into the manner of living, it's going to present us power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction. And as we start getting the flow of the Spirit, then we're going to know what's up, right? 
Okay? So then it says, based on that, we made a decision. And it says, we made this decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. They're the we. This isn't a God of your understanding. This is how they understood God. And by the time they introduced us to this, he already told you. He was an atheist, but then he thought, well, maybe I'm more of an agnostic. But then when Ebby told him what he told him, he realized the power in Ebby. And he said, at long last, I saw the miracle of Ebby sitting in front of him. I felt all the spirit of revelation happening in him. And then I believed. So it was always a tangible sensory experience that he wrote of. And he, he's many, many others since then write about that. Does it make sense? Okay, so when one makes a decision, what is the effect? Action is the effect of a decision. How many of you said you made a decision, but either didn't know what action to take or just took none? Right, it's the old, the old timers thing was you got three frogs on a log, two make a decision to jump. How many are on the log? Three. Three, because all they did was make a decision, they didn't jump. So the fact that you've made a decision will be evident by your action, which is why they keep reminding us faith without works is dead. Yep. Does that make sense now? We're going to prove this power to us through us. I encountered real power. Now I'm going to take this power out for a walk. Yep. Heard a rumor this power was a healer. Let's go check this shit out. <laughs> All right, so made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Why did I do that? Where's the power found? How do I find it? Sometimes I'm going to have to search fearlessly. Why am I unaware of it? Because it's been obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship. Why am I doing this inventory to write down the calamities, pomps, and worships, the fears that have obscured my consciousness of this power within me so that I can bear witness to what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now? Starting to make sense now? Yep. Which is why you don't want to skimp on the cement put into the foundation. Okay. All right. So that brings us back to admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of our defects. And we've done some of that already with our inventory, resentments, fears, relationship travails. Yes. And so now we're on page 76 of the book. It says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, then we then look at step six. So what am I answering to my satisfaction? Yes, my work's solid so far. I've told them what I needed to tell them, or I've got to tell them one more thing, or I need a little clarity on this. Any of you calls get, how many of you were still feeling burdened? You're here, you're after, you're one hour, and you're calling. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why that happens is you're still full of guilt, shame, and remorse because someone has not called to your attention that... If you were indeed powerless, if you knew you were powerless, then what could you have done differently? Not a damn thing. So the only thing I can do is amend it. I can't change it. It happened. I can own it, and I can live a life in service. Yes? But I either believe that that was preparation, or my life's a waste. Yep. How many of you treated a lot of people bad? I ought to see a lot of hands in this crowd. How many of you have received a lot of kindness from people you didn't even know? Yep. So once we start awakening to who we are and know that we're all servants, that's the unending debt. Yep. Okay. 
So then it starts to talk to us about we have emphasized willingness as being in, indispensable. Right. So they're going to talk to us about that thing called willingness that is so misunderstood in our fellowships. People say, I'm not going to work with them because they're not willing. News for you. Willingness is divine power. They're not willing because no one's shown them the love that they're going to need in order to develop the willingness they're going to need to get up. And I'm going to have to walk with them in some gnarliness without judgment to the extent I can, at least not share. I may judge them here. My mouth should not be, does that make sense? It's going to require a power greater than me. Why am I going to pray, meditate, pray all damn day? Because y'all are disturbing. (laughs) And if you're not disturbing, my thoughts are disturbing. Right? I always suffer from my thoughts, not you. But I better wake up or I'm not going to believe that. Okay. All right, so are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable on a question mark? Why did they put the question mark there? Go inside. That's the entire instruction for step six. Right. That's it. So did you hear the instruction in there? Let. The step on the wall says have. The step in the instruction says let. Mm-hmm. So how does, how does one let God take it? Quit hanging on to it. We're going to have to turn our thoughts to others. My constant thought of others and how to meet their needs. And while I'm distracted trying to help them, God can do his work. He'll take me to people who have the same malady I need. I'll offer them the healing. It'll flow through me. And I'll be healed of that which I did not know I had. Yes. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yep. Okay. So they're going to talk to us about the next thing. Can he now take them all, every one? Hell no. I would evaporate. Right? So get honest. Get a list of what I'm willing to do right now, what I'm going to need to grow in willingness to do, and the stuff, if it's there, that I'm just never going to do, but I'll keep praying for willingness. Fair enough? And start priority. You'll probably be willing to go to family and employers, but some of the other stuff, maybe not for a minute. Yeah? Okay, and then it says if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. Why would I have to ask God for something that I can summon from within myself? The answer is I would not. That's where they're telling us clearly willingness is divine power. Those of you that are students of that other book, our righteousness is from him. Does it make sense? So it's not in conflict with your religion or your AA practice. That power is not in me unless I ask. In fact, I didn't even know to ask when I finally was willing enough to go through the process. It just appeared. It was given to me. Yeah. Yep. So it says, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. Did you discover both good and bad within you? Yep. And in New Freedom, our core value, our purpose is that we empower the innate goodness in every human being. It's what we do here. Which means fundamentally, I believe there is innate goodness in every human being, regardless of what presents. And this inventory will prove that to me. And more importantly, it'll prove it to you. Because what I need you to know is what I know. And then we'll walk out of here together. Okay? I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Why do I need God to remove every defect from me that stands in the way of my usefulness? 
Because I can't remove my own defects. Right. I can't remove them, and I don't even know what stands in the way of my usefulness. Right. How many of you thought that your wit and sarcasm was a very handy tool? <laughs> How many of you learned that you don't need that tool as you're, when you're operating in the realm of the spirit? In fact, it gets in the way. Yes. Right? But there's things about us we think we're very clever. I'll tell you on me, I was working in a, a SMI clinic, severe and mentally ill. They were, they were not very high functioning, and I'm very witty. <laughs> so I'm being me, yeah. and one of them came up to me afterwards and said, Joe, why were you making fun of us? And I was crushed, because that was not my intent. Right. But they had no way to interpret that, and so I thought that that was an asset, and it was a defect. I had not been real with them. It's very humbling to learn that way. Some of you are yeah. feeling that. Yeah. So then it says, grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. What is his bidding? The next indicated right thing. Wake up. Make amends for harm's done. And then go tell the whole world about me. And if you don't like that, go, go take this healing power out for a walk and find out that signs and wonders do follow us. It's an absolute fact, regardless of what you profess. Yes? Yep. Okay. And then it says, amen. I call that to your attention, because a lot of people will tell you, say the third step prayer, and they put an amen in. Nope. You will not find it in this book. Why? Because it's, because it's only half the damn prayer. Right. I wasn't expected to go out and do something that I hadn't been shown precisely what it looked like. And until I was armed with the facts about myself, what I was like, what happened, the calamities, pomps, and worships, I'm not equipped to go out. So now I'm going to need agreement with this power to go with me. The one I met in two, I now know him better. And now I, if you are going, I'll go. Yep. And I'm walking out consciously in this life of amends. Does it make sense? The yep. big amends is 12 but the other one is, is going to help me grow spiritually. It's the weightlifting. And then it says we have then completed step seven. And there you go. And I've done early again. Imagine that. So thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>